Folks, why don't you turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. We're back in the book of Habakkuk. We took a week out last week just to talk a little bit about what it's going to look like for us as a church to grow in a culture of prayer. And we're going to step back in to uh, this short book in the Old Testament. We're in Habakkuk chapter 2, which is page 785, if you've got one of our church Bibles uh, this morning. Folks, I don't know where each of us are at this morning. I know that um, if your week's been anything like mine, that there are different things that you are contending against. There are different struggles uh, that you are carrying. Each of us feels a, a different weight this morning. Um, I want us to be confident that God is going to speak to us. And what he speaks to us in, we're literally just going to read a couple of verses. In these couple of verses can have profound significance for us in our lives today and our lives going forward. So I'm just going to read two verses. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time, it hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. <clears throat> Next week, we will get to maybe the, perhaps the climax of the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And you're going to have a quick look at it now, aren't you? <laughs> to get ahead of the game. Spoiler alert, it's coming. God is going to bring a promise to Habakkuk. It is going to be a bit of a climax, a high point in the book. We're going to look at that promise next week, but before we get there, I just want to spend some time this week laying a foundation. And some of us have been through uh, all that we've been looking at in Habakkuk since the first week, a few weeks ago. Some of us are just catching up, and, and maybe as we're working through and we're listening to the story of Habakkuk, maybe some of us are thinking, what relevance has this guy got to us? So Habakkuk was, was written nearly 3,000 years ago. And we've looked a little bit about the context. This is a prophet in Israel who is coming to God, crying out because of the injustice that he sees around him. He's seen the high days of, of Judah, and now he sees the low days of Judah, God's people. And he's come to God and asking God to act, and God is going to act. And as we look at these verses, maybe we think, well, this is great, but what... What relevance has it got to us? I want us to see this morning, and I think we will see that actually we are closer to Habakkuk than we think. See, see the prophet Habakkuk finds himself in a time where he's come and he's cried out to God and he said, God, will you do something? God comes and says, yes, I am going to do something. I'm going to bring judgment on my people. I'm going to bring judgment from Babylon onto Judah. And, and Habakkuk is struggling with the reality of what is going to come. There is difficulty coming for Habakkuk and he is struggling with it. Like, can anyone relate to that? We all can. We are closer to Habakkuk than we think. He is facing impending struggle, difficulty that he knows is coming his way. And we all find ourselves so often in the same place. And here's the other way that we relate to Habakkuk. Habakkuk has this kind of internal voice that, that is speaking to him and trying to tell him what is right. 
He wants, he wants God to do something and, and, and his heart is telling him what, what that looks like. He has this internal voice that is telling him what's going to happen. And when God says, no, I'm going to do it this way, Habakkuk is coming and saying, well, that's not right. That's not how it should be. And we can almost just expect that the people around him would think the same things. He has this internal voice and he has external voices around him, no doubt, that when he goes and says, guys, I need to tell you what God is doing, I'm quite sure that they would have said the same thing. Surely not. God, God's not going to do that. He's not going to bring that kind of judgment on his people. There is this internal voice, this external voice. And then we see in verse two of our passage this morning, there is then God's voice. And we just bring this back to us again, the difficulty that we face and the difficulty that we sit in now, or difficulty that is coming towards us. We are all the same as Habakkuk. We have this internal voice that, that tells us this is what is right. This is what is true. We have external voices around us in the world that tell us this is what is right. This is what is true. And then we have God's word, which says, this is true. This is right. And Habakkuk has a choice. Which voice am I going to listen to? And you have a choice. Whose voice are you going to listen to? In the midst of difficulty, whose voice will you listen to? Now we can start to see why this is relevant for us because there is difficulty in us all and we each have those competing voices. And each one is trying to convince us that they are true and which one we choose, whether it's us, our heart, our own voice, whether it's culture and the world and that voice, or whether it's God choose, the, the one that we choose to listen to and build our life on will have profound impacts on the rest of our life. Here's the problem. We won't all by default choose the right voice. Up until about 200 years ago, in particularly Western culture, we lived in a, in a predominantly Greek way. And what I mean by that is, is that we lived to a set of external virtues. And so the goal of life was to take our internal difficulties, to take our emotional struggles, to take all of the, the kind of tension that we felt inside of us of, of, of should we go this way, should we go that, right, that way, and then use a set of external virtues to make that judgment call. And those external virtues were tested over time as ways that we can flourish. And predominantly, particularly over the last 500 years, the external virtues, the external voice, for the most part in Western Europe has been God's word. It has. Western Europe, for the most part, has been built on the truth of God's word, the Ten Commandments. The truths that God speaks to us in his word. But then we kind of see a bit of a change in the, in the 18th century that, that things started to shift a little bit. That we no longer started to conform to an external voice and take what is going on inside and, and really map those out in, in light of, of these things out here, which we know to be true. But actually we started to internalize things a lot more. And that shift occurred in the 18th century and probably even up to 40 or 50 years ago. It's been infiltrating into Western society. And so now we live in a post-Christian age in what sociologists would call, they would call the age that we live in now, an age of authenticity. What they mean by that is the goal now is no longer to take what we feel inside and, and conform that to the external voice. The goal now is to reject the external voice. The goal now is to express what is going inside. And that is how we're told we flourish. Ignore what is being told to us out there. Ignore that set of virtues. What you feel, what you feel is right. Trust yourself. Be true to yourself. Haven't we heard those things before? 
As much as those things might sound empowering and sound like they have great potential, if we've learned anything, folks, as we've grown up, we know actually that so often the internal voice, and and, uh, what I mean by the internal voice is when we're told to follow our heart. We've heard that before. Follow your heart. We know so often as we grow up that the more we follow our hearts, actually we more, we, the more we see our hearts to be inconsistent, to be confused, to be impatient, and ultimately to be deceptive. Actually, our kids are being brought up more than us in this world. You look at Disney. We've uh, got the, it's not the Disney channel, is it? Someone's put us onto the Disney Plus account. And this is the mantra of all the Disney films, isn't it? Follow your heart. That's what Moana says, or, or the Spirit says to Moana, follow your heart. Like, that's the way to true life, kids. That's the way that if you want to flourish in this world, ignore what is being told to us out there. You follow what you think is good, and we all know where that's going to lead. Our hearts are deceptive. The Bible says that they are wicked. See, the problem is we only see what is in front of us. If we want to follow our heart, we can only base where we're going on what we can see in front of us. And we have an idea where we're going, but let's be honest, we don't really know ultimately where we're going. So let's just think, hands up, if two years ago you thought we were going to be coming out of a global pandemic. None of us did. Like We have an idea where we're going, but really we, we don't have a clue. Let's go a little bit further back. So 15 years ago, which for some of us, unfortunately, doesn't feel like that long ago. For some of you... Uh, other uh, youngsters, it feels um, like a long time ago, but for some of us, it feels like yesterday, 15 years ago. Listen to this. There was no such thing as iPhones. <gasps> like, Karis, you just brought, you've been brought up that iPhones have existed for all eternity. They haven't. 15 years ago, there was no iPhone. There was no Instagram. There was no TikTok. Some of you, praise God, don't even know what that is. There was no Bitcoin, and we're learning. We, I still don't know what that is, but there was none of that thing. There was no WhatsApp. There was no Zoom. There was no Uber, no Airbnb, no iPad, no Facebook Messenger, no Snapchat, no Kindle, no App Store, no Fitbit, no Dropbox, no Samsung Galaxy for those iPhone haters out there, no Netflix streaming, no FaceTime, no Alexa. That was just 15 years ago. And look where we are now. Folks, we haven't got a clue what is coming, if we're honest with ourselves. And so to try and uh, build our lives on following our heart, we need to just have a bit of a reality check. We're following ourselves into somewhere where we don't really know where we're going. Here's the truth that we see in God's word. We don't really know where we're going, but God sees clearly. God sees clearly. See that in verse two? The Lord answered Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. So we're going to see what the vision is next week. We're going to jump into the promise that God gives to Habakkuk next week. But we're just building this foundation this week. And God says, what I'm going to bring to you, write it down, make it plain on tablets so that someone who runs by it will see it. The promise I'm going to give it to you, Habakkuk, make it plain. Like actually the way he's describing it, he's saying make it big enough so that the guy who's running past it can, can see it as he's running. Like this is advertising 101. Like if you want to create a, a billboard that works, you need to put it in big writing, don't you? It's no use if no one can see it. And God is saying, okay, Habakkuk, get yourself some stone and some um, 
better than you used to write on stone. Another stone, probably. Get, get kind of those things and, and write this big so everyone can see. I remember God, Habakkuk is coming to God and saying, God, you're really not going to do this, are you? And God is saying, I am. This is going to happen. It is going to come. And you can go and get a rock and some chisel and you can set it in stone. What I'm going to do, I am going to do. And as each of us in the midst of our difficulty are trying to hold on to something, are trying to hold on to some, some just, just element of truth, this simple lesson that we have here will have a profound impact on our lives. God sees clearly. We don't. God has absolute clarity how history is unfolding. Like, like all the big stuff, he knows. He has absolute clarity of how that is unfolding. And he has absolute clarity of the individual struggles that each of us are facing. He knows. In the Psalms, you see this refrain that King David brings so often. He, he talks about God being above the heavens. We know that God isn't limited by time like we are, don't we? Like he existed before time. He doesn't have a watch. He sits above the heavens, David says. He doesn't see things as having maybe a, a beginning and then he's waiting to see how things pans out. He sits above it all. He sees clearly. And he speaks promises into each of those struggles that we are facing. I'm going to hear the promise next week. Remember, we're going to hear that. But before we receive it, I believe that God wants us just to come to a place where we build a foundation for how we can hear it best. Amongst all the noise of, of the internal voice, our heart trying to lead us, uh, amongst all the noise of all the external voices that will say, this is the way to go, this is the way to truth, this is the way to flourish, and God wants his voice, his truth to be heard much louder than all of those other truths. There are clear promises in God's word for each one of us, in each of our struggles, but in order to hear them, I think sometimes we need to turn the volume down on those other channels. To turn the volume down on our heart as it's trying to lead us. To turn the volume down on the world as it's trying to lead us. Have you, have you ever been in that situation? Like We've all been kids, so we've all done this with our parents. And if, if you've been uh, maybe um, in, a, in a bigger family where there's a few kids, have you ever been in that situation where there's just a lot of kids speaking at the same time, trying to get the attention of their parents, and you can just see the frustration on their parents' face as they're just trying to listen to something and they just can't hear through the noise? Or you've ever been out and about and you just hear different conversations or radios glaring and you just want everything, just to, the volume just to drop down so you can just hear one voice Clearly, have you ever been in those situations? Like parents, some of you are like, this is my daily existence. Folks, I think that sometimes we just, we need to do the same. To turn the volume down on, on how our heart is trying to speak to us. To turn the volume down on how the world is trying to speak to us. And to listen to God. To listen to what he wants to say. To listen to his promises that he has for us in all of the struggles of our lives. Now, a lot of us know that. A lot of us know that that's what we know we need to do. 
But one of the reasons we choose to ignore it and keep the volume levels up on our heart, on other people as they try and bring wisdom and truth to us, one of the reasons why we do that and maybe don't listen to God as much and don't hold on to his promises as much is because we find that actually sometimes when we are holding on to his promises, we don't see any change. Like we know God is, is true. We know his word is truth. We know his promises are true and we hold on to them. But, but let's just be honest. How often do we hold on to them and then just find ourselves in a place of frustration saying, God, I know this to be true, but nothing's changing. And when that happens, we revert to listening to our internal voice again. Because here's what our hearts are good at, folks. Our hearts will give us what we want when we want it. We don't need to sit around and wait. Our hearts will give us what we want exactly when we want it. And when we find ourselves in difficulty, when our heart says, you know what, you just need to sit and doubt for a bit, then we'll do that. When our heart says, you know what, you just need to be angry, then we'll do that. Do you know what, you just need to be, just sit back and, and pull back and be apathetic. We'll do that. Do you know what, just engage in that sit. Just, just do it. Like our hearts will tell us what we want to hear and we can just step into those things. When God's promises don't seem to give us what we want, we so often turn the volume on these other voices up. But have you ever noticed in life that so often the things that we are given to enjoy take time to get to us? Like I know in this room there are some um, budding bread makers, Right? Is it just me and you, Mark? Anyone else make bread? Just me and Mark. All right. Anyone like coffee then? Yeah. Oh, now we're talking. There's a few coffee people. Now, what do we know about making coffee or making good bread? It takes time, right? You can't just kind of throw your coffee granules in the cafeteria and, and immediately pour it out. You've got to wait for it to kind of mull and, and, and all of the, the, the coffee beans to, to do what they're going to do. And then you pour it after a few minutes. It's the same with bread. You've got to sit and wait and be, and be patient as it, as it does its work, as it ferments, as it does the good stuff that it's going to do. And if we scale those things up into the difficulties of life that we're facing, so often we kind of find ourselves in the struggle, in the difficulty, and we just want to get out quick. We just want to escape it as quick as we can. And we as Christians, those of us who are, we know that God can fix the struggle that we are in. And we get frustrated that, that we still find ourselves here. We, we still find ourselves in that frustrating place where we're holding on to the promise, but things don't seem to change. We still find ourselves in the difficulty. And maybe we're neglecting to see that God is more concerned with fixing us than fixing the problem. And God's agenda isn't to rush us out sometimes. Maybe it's God's agenda to keep us there so that he can do a work. Because he sees clearly. He sees clearly. He's given us his promises in each of our difficulties. And each of God's promises are fulfilled in his time. Not in ours. Look at verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. God is bringing a vision, a word to Habakkuk. And he says, the time that you're going to see the fulfillment of this promise, it is fixed. It has an appointed time. And so if God is not immediately uh, providing what he has promised to us, perhaps he is teaching us patience. Perhaps he is teaching us 
obedience in our faith. Perhaps he doesn't want us to be removed from the situation so fast because he has something to bring to us and do with us. There's an old um, Chinese proverb that really helps us just see this a little bit. There's just the truth and the reality that we don't know what's coming. But God has a bigger picture. There's a story of, of a farmer and um, he has a horse and um, he's uh, kind of running around a farm and uh, one day his prized possession, this horse, leaves the farm, runs away. And the villagers come around and they put their hand on his shoulder and say, oh, such bad news that your horse is gone. And the farmer says, we'll see. The next day the horse brings back with it another horse, a stronger horse, helps him around the farm. Things are going really well and and it seems like, you know, things have gone better. And, and one day his son gets up on this new horse and tries riding it, but, but it kicks his son off, throws his son to the floor and his, his leg breaks. And the villagers come round and they put their arm around his shoulder and say, oh, such bad news, your, your son's really injured. And the farmer says, we'll see. The next day the military come round and they're conscripting the young men to come and fight in the war. And they come in and they look round and they're choosing the fit and healthy men and they pass by his son. And the villagers come round and say, oh, such good news. Your son didn't get chosen for, for war. And the farmer says, we'll see. You see, we don't know what's around the corner, folks. We don't know what's coming. God does. He sees clearly. And he gives us his promises in the midst of our struggles. And all of those promises are fulfilled in his time. We get frustrated at God maybe when we don't see it done, but we need to be convinced that God sees the, the full picture. He sits in the heavens above, outside of time, and he is giving us precisely what we need at precisely the right time. Folks, if we are still sitting in doubt, look at the end of verse 3. God says this, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Folks, what God has promised in his word will come. Did you hear what God said as well at the start of verse 3 about his word, about his promise? It will not lie. You know what God's word says about our hearts? They deceive us. You know, we know to be true about the word of the world as they try and come and tell us this is truth, this is the way to live. It deceives us. What does God say about his word? It will not lie. It is truth. That is a place that we can build our lives, folks. That is a way that we can sit in the frustration, in the angst, even in the doubt. And we can hold on to the promise that God says it is coming. And it might seem slow to us because we are limited and we are finite. And all we can see is what is in front of us. It might seem slow. It might seem even that God has given up. And God says, if it seems slow, daughter, if it seems slow, son, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. His timing is perfect. Folks, we need a better voice. And we have that in God. 
is what I'd encourage us to do as we wrap up. Wait patiently for God to do what he has promised to do. Wait patiently for God to do what he has promised to do. I can't tell you what the specifics are in your life. I can't tell you that God has promised X, Y, and Z, and it's going to look like this, and it's going to happen in this time. But I do know this to be true. That for all of those who love God, all things will work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And please don't take that as just glib truth. That is God saying that and speaking to that into your heart. That is his truth. He has promised good. And he's promised to give you at the right time for your good and for his glory. Maybe what we need more than anything, folks, is a patient hope. Let's just spend some time praying together. I'm going to share this meal in a moment. But before we do, let's just ask God to meet us there. Use this time of quiet just to bring your struggle, bring your difficulty, bring it to God. Or is it that you're waiting for from God? Or is it that you're frustrated with, that you, you're holding on to the promises of God and it just feels like delay, it feels like it's, it's not coming, it feels like, like you've just been waiting for too long. What is it? So Father, simply we ask that you would give us a patient hope You would help us to believe that all of your words are perfect and they are true. Your word never fails. Help us, Father, to to be rightly sceptical about what our heart tells us, about what the world tells us. Help us to turn the volume down on those things and and to hear your voice. And for some of us, Father, we know that that means that we need to open your word And so give us that discipline tomorrow morning as we wait. Give us that discipline to just to surround ourselves with that better voice. To listen to you speak your truths, your promises to us. And help us, Holy Spirit, because we struggle. We're we're being honest here. We struggle sometimes. Help us to believe that they are true. Father, we need your help. Patience is so hard. Recognize that that is a fruit of your spirit and so Holy Spirit fill us. Meet us in our difficulty. Give us the hopeful patience that we have. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to share this meal in a minute, folks. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And he broke it with his disciples. And he said, take this bread in remembrance. And we remember his body that was broken for us. As we take this meal, it's right to look back. Let's look back at the cross, the finished work of the cross. To look back at Jesus' body which was broken for us. You know, our hearts are, are, are sick, we said before, and they deceive us. That is a problem. 
But as long as our hearts are opposed to God, we are opposed to God. And so Jesus came and he lived the perfect life. And he took on our wickedness, all of our lies, all of our sin. He took that on and he bore the judgments in our place. His body was broken. And he suffered all of the spiritual torments that we should suffer for our rebellion. His body was broken for you and I, brothers and sisters. And so as we take this meal, we should look back with thankful hearts. The finished work of the cross. If you're a believer this morning, you have a new heart. And yes, we still struggle against sin. Yes, there is still that voice that, that tries to deceive us. But that is, that is the old man, the old woman. Jesus says we are new creations. He has given us new hearts. New hearts that enable us to listen to God and to hear his voice as truth. And so we should look back at the finished work of the cross. Look back at Jesus' resurrection with thanksgiving. Jesus took the cup. He told his disciples to take and drink of the cup. And that was a sign of the new covenant. And so as you take the juice and wine as Johnny brings it round, look forward. Look forward. This meal reminds us of, of, of the cross, of the resurrection, of, of the hope that we have that, is, that has already been secured, but it reminds us of what we have been brought into, a new covenant. The promise of God for his people that the difficulties that we face now, the struggles that we face now, the sin that we contend against now, it is limited, folks. One day Jesus will come back. One day we will be with him. And all of the pain, all of the struggle, all of the wrestle day after day against sin will be gone. And so as you take this cup, look forward with hope. Look forward at what is coming. Ask God to meet you now and give you all the patience that you need until that day. Let me just give thanks for this meal. When you're ready, don't rush this. Just take as much time as you want. Come and just quietly in your own just time and space. Bring your, your prayers, your hurts, your needs to God. Look back to the finished work of the cross with thanksgiving and look forward to all that we have to come with hope. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that we know your word to be true because of all that you've done in and through the gospel. We thank you that we can look back at the cross and we see all the, all the fullness of your character on display. We see your faithfulness. We see your love for us. We see your grace. We see how you have come and you have stepped into our difficulty, stepped into our struggle, that you are not a distant God. Jesus, we thank you that you have come and brought the remedy for our, our greatest struggle, our struggle against sin, Satan, and death. And we confess that, that, that we need that more than anything. And so we thank you that you live the perfect life, Jesus. We thank you that you die the cruel death on a cross for us in our place. It is our hearts that were wicked, not yours. We thank you that you suffered in our place. You experience the brutality of nails being driven through your hands and feet. You experience the torment, all the torments of, 
of just the spiritual realities of our sin being poured onto you and the wrath of the Father being poured out onto you in our place. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you rose again. And so we look back with thanksgiving, but we look forward to hope. We thank you that your resurrection was the first fruit of our resurrection, that one day we will rise with you again and all of the struggles that we have now will be gone. So fill our hearts with hope as we feast on this meal. Remind us, Jesus, that we are united to you. Remind us that we can come boldly now into the presence of God with all of our struggles, with all of our frustrations, and that we will be heard, and you'll speak your promises into each of those for us. So, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you for the hope of the resurrection. Thank you for this meal and all that it causes us to be brought into our remembrance. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray.